season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. the jkr podcast today we have p27 academy left-handed pitcher we got gavin bowen on the podcast gavin i know it's been a long time in the works last time we kind of uh, got connected for the first time but no i'm super pumped to get you on the show uh finally and how are you doing today i'm excited man um just coming back from my official visit um this past weekend here so um but i'm excited to get on the podcast for sure Awesome, man. Uh, so before we do dig into that, let's dig into that official visit here in a second. But before we do start talking about baseball, I do have one question where I, I'd like to ask everybody that gets on the podcast. And that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Gavin Bowen? Um, my name is Gavin Bowen. I'm a 2023 left-handed pitcher. Um, I'm originally from Wisconsin, um, the Waukesha area. And I currently live down in Lexington, South Carolina. I go to P27 Academy um, for high school. Uh, I play my, this summer. I played with um, Chi-Town Cream and Midland Redskins. Those are my two summer teams. And I'm up to 92 um, from the left side, throw a slider, change up, um, low three quarters slot. Um, I would consider myself whippy is how I describe my pitching. All right. So uh, you mentioned that you just got back from your official visit. So right as it kind of, it's all in your head, kind of what all you did, let's just dig straight into that. Talk about your official visit, what all was going on. Uh, so kind of take us through what that official visit was like for you. Yeah. So I loved it down there. Um, I visited a few times. I took a visit before I committed down there. That was actually my official. I took that as an official. I went down as an unofficial um, this time, but um, I really enjoyed it, kind of seeing the ins and outs, um, met a bunch of the players, all super nice, great guys, um, knew some of them from beforehand, just from previous visits. I've walked around campus numerous times, um, but I, I loved it. We uh, took pictures and everything like you see on Instagram, took all pictures. Um, they had a football game, but the, it got rained out, so He's trying to get some of us down there for a basketball game. Their basketball is supposed to be really good this year. Um, so, go ahead. Um, and then we just kind of walked around campus, toured around, visited all the buildings and stuff, looked around. It was I liked it a lot. Super nice there. A time where you know you got limited time left um, before you get there. So you have to really put the work in from when you sign to when you get there because – then they can cut you and you got to be ready to go out there and perform the moment you step on campus. Yeah. So you got, you said you got limited time left. So what are you looking forward to most to finally getting done with some of these high school classes you're taking uh, at P27? Um, so the, the class schedule is pretty easy. Um, we only have between, depending on the day. So Monday, Wednesday, we have three hours of school, Tuesday, Thursday is two. And then we don't have school on Fridays. That's all baseball day. Um, but it's it's all online. Um, no teachers. We have someone that, or there's a teacher like behind the computer, but we don't have one that we meet with every day. Um, there's a teacher that sits in our classroom, Miss Dawn. That kind of just she's our like advisor person, so she kind of just like watches over us, makes sure we're getting our work done, grade checks, all that stuff. Um, and you have to have a eighty percent in all or like total between all your classes to play. So. She she really does a good job at keeping up on us. So at P27, so you guys actually have a classroom within the, the building and the academy that you guys actually go to and have to be there for certain times during those couple of days you're in class? Yeah, we have to go into the classroom that we have. It's really just a big room with white folding tables and chairs. Um, just go in there, get your work done for two or three hours but it's not like a normal conventional school where it's like a teacher standing up front. Like everyone has different classes. Everyone's at, you'll have freshmen in your class. You'll have post-grads that are taking college classes sometimes. So it really just depends where kids are at, but they all are in there working. 
so what are the subjects that you're kind of taking? Like, is are they very, very similar to what actual like in-person high school is like, or are they a little different, like more personalized potentially towards what you're wanting to do? Um, so I still have to get like my, the rest of my credits. So I'm taking a cybersecurity class. I'm taking my fourth year of English that I need I'm taking the English four and I'm taking a personal finance and economics. Um, so those are my three classes that I have for this term right now. Okay. So let's dig into how you actually got connected to P27. Uh, these past, I don't know, maybe six, seven months, I've been continuously just seeing guys wearing P27 Academy uh uh, jerseys people saying that they're going there uh, to play baseball um so i've really gotten to see like kind of the, not, i'm not going to say get to see them evolve but just see them continuously get more and more players guys who are committed to division one schools like yourself um so just kind of take us through when you got connected with them and then kind of what that process was um to finally head to p27 yeah so one of my good good friends from back home he's down here right now jonah conrad he's going to arkansas um he, he was down here last year while I was at my normal high school, didn't have a great connection with my normal high school, um, struggled with like bonding with the coaches and stuff, just was in the regular school set, setting wasn't really for me. So I was like, I got to find something different. Um, me and my parents talked about um, graduating early and just training instead of playing high school baseball. We talked about possibly going to a JUCO a semester early or a year early and doing it that way just kind of like trying to figure out a way not to go to that high school and play baseball there it just wasn't the best situation for me and I knew that with the draft possibilities and stuff that it wasn't going to put me in the right position to get in front of the right people so with Wisconsin being so up north like it's limited very limited on the pro scouting coverage you get so I was talking to my buddy about that and he was like ah you should come down here so he started talking to the coach here, Corey, Corey Warner does a great job. Um, started talking to the coach and we really started to kind of talk and talk and talk. And we started to realize, all right, this is a path that we want to take. Um, I was originally only supposed to come down here the second semester. So in about January, um, but then we decided, Hey, we might as well just put all the work in and the winter and stuff and really get after it. So you're not just showing up six months behind everyone else because they're working every day of the week for four or five hours a day when you only got after school time. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, it was just like, it was, it was the best situation for me. So I, that was in probably February or March, we began talking to them. And then by, when was it? It was May. By May, I knew I was going to come here and didn't announce it till after state baseball was done. Okay. So now that you've been at P27, I'm going to go ahead and assume like what, around August, kind of when school started or when exactly did you head down to South Carolina? Yeah, we moved in August 20th was the day we moved in. Okay. So now, now that you've been there now for what is that four months, maybe? So how, what's the relationship like that you have? You said coach Warner is his name. Yes. So what, what's your relationship like with him now that you've been there three, four months and you've just been able to go day in and day out, just training with him and just building relationships with him and the other guys on the coaching staff? Yeah. So coach Warner does a great job. Super nice guy. Um, we, the pitchers actually don't see him much. He focuses a lot with the hitters. Um, the pitcher coach is Garrett, um, coach Garrett. He, um, he played at Clemson and then he coached somewhere some college team he coached that he was a pitching coach there and then came here. Um, but he does a great job. It's kind of, it's not, it's training that I've never done before. It's all, if you've ever seen those water bags, lots of water bags, and I've never used those before. Never seen anyone use them like continuously. We got here, everyone was super skeptical about it. And then we finally like started to buy in people started be their velos jumping so a lot of guys had velo jumps this fall, just from end of spring to fall. And then kind of um, everyone's starting to shut down now, but we we had some guys that really put on some velo just this fall, even in the three months or whatever that we've been down here. Yeah. So, so I've, I've, really yeah, so I've seen videos of the water bag drills with them just going like, going through the pitching motion with the water bags so what does an actual workout with those water bags kind of look like 
Yeah. So a lot of what we focus on is stabilizing. So a lot of the guys, that's what their issue was, is they, you're not stabilizing the muscles and stabilizing everything and getting set in your like positions while your body's moving that you need to be in. So guys would get into their leg lift and they'd be falling over right away and they'd be all over the place. So you get moving water around and you get this uncomfortable kind of like you're not used to it and you really start to have to like engage muscles to hold you. So you just try to translate that to the mounds where you can engage those muscles, but nothing's moving around. And then it really starts to produce that force. So what, what does that spring schedule look like for P27? Obviously with them being like an, uh, an academy and not like an actual like high school in a way, um, are you guys playing regular high schools in South Carolina or are you, or is your guys' schedule pretty much lined up with other academies? Like how exactly does that work? Um, for yeah. So we, we play in the NAA conference. Um, it's a conference with four or five other academies. So it's like pro five, Georgia premier elite squad, um, other, other academies um, within the Southeast region. Um, so the farthest we'll, we'll go down to Florida, go over to Georgia. We'll go up to North Carolina. Um, I think we play pro five Virginia, even though they're not in our conference. So we, we play some really good teams. Um, everyone, everyone that's at these academies is really, really good. Like there's no, there's no like weak links. If you, if you know what I mean, like everyone's legit. So, but we play other academies and then we play junior colleges and division two and three teams too. Okay. So when you're facing some of those academies, is there a big difference when you're facing the academies compared to when you're facing the division two, division three NAIA schools? So we haven't played any academies yet this fall. Um, but what we did, we played North Greenville, the reigning D2 national champions. And that was like a big, like everyone was like, all right, this is how it's going to be. Like they, they beat us seven, three or seven, four. So we, we were in the game, but they, they had three guys that were 95, 97 and a lefty out of the pen. That was 93, 95, a division two school. So they, they were legit. And we know that's what we're going to see this um spring so it's all we we just have to get used to seeing that or some guys just gotta get used to seeing that kind of velo it's not something that you see every day at a normal high school it's definitely like you might have one guy that's like that but it's not the whole roster yeah so going so going through february through may to when you actually kind of decided oh okay like i'm gonna go to p27 i'm gonna move down here move away from my parents um, was there any thought in your mind to potentially look at other academies or, but did you already get the feeling from coach Warner, their coaching staff and your friend from Wisconsin that P 27 was going to be the place for you? Yeah. So I talked to a few other academies. I talked to pro five in North Carolina, um, but that's typically more of a hitter school. Um, a lot of the really good hitters go there, but um, so they're, they're known for their hitting, not as much their pitching. Um and then I talked to A3 Academy. It's a smaller academy down in Florida. Um, but that was more just like, I want to play against teams in this conference. Like, this is the best competition out there. There's 20-plus pro scouts at every spring game that we'll have. Like, the, the coverage here in the southeast region here, I mean, even if it's Florida, North Carolina, wherever it is, regardless of where I went, I knew I was going to get the best coverage in the country. But for me, it was more who's going to develop me the best. And with P27 having some of the better arms recently with Hunter Sloop and Rob Evans um, and Austin Williamson, three power five guys, Rob decommitted from NC State, and now he's at Chipola. But you had three guys that were 95 um, all at the academy. So it's like – and my buddy Jonah, I saw he – was the summer before he came down here, he was 87, 89, top 90. And then he gets down here and he was up to 95 last spring. So that was kind of the the thing that I knew, like, okay, the pitching development is going to be the thing here. Like, I know I'm going to get my pitching development and that's going to be beneficial for me. Yeah. So obviously the pitching development is huge at P27. But now that you've been there for all fall ball and kind of just gone through the whole um, – just fall season playing up against some of those colleges, those JUCOs. Um, what do you think has led to the success of the P27 program? Because obviously if I'm going through looking at like their commitment list, I'm seeing Clemson, your buddy Jonah, who's going to Arkansas, uh, a bunch of AC, ACC, SEC schools. 
Um, so now that you've just kind of gone through and been there day to day, like, what do you think has led to their success? I think it's all our work ethic. I mean, we, we have guys that are trying to get drafted. I mean, and that's anywhere, but I think we're really taking it serious this year. Um, a lot of people last year, they kind of took the conference tournament personal. They didn't do too hot. They want to do better. So you got guys that want to really push it, whether it's draft wise or team wise, like you got guys that want to really do something here. So I think that's what really sets us apart um, is our drive. Like there's not, there's not many kids at all here that are like slacking, like everyone's really putting in the work. So. So how would you compare P20? How would you compare the P27 Academy to your high school up there in Wisconsin? Uh, just the way that the coaches go about practices. Um, obviously you haven't been a part of too many games yet, but what, what would you compare between those two? Um, um, those, it, two, those two things. It's completely different. So like we have our schedule goes like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have individual workout days. So that's like all the pitchers will work out together. We have three groups of pitchers. So we have, IW, we call them IW days, um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So that's all with your pitching coach and that's all like direct just for pitchers. And then we'll have a pitcher lift over at this big facility called apex, um, in Columbia, which is about 15 minutes from here. So we'll, we'll all drive over there, have a pitcher lift and we got lunch in school. Um, but the coaching piece of it, like even on team days, the pitchers, when we get done with like the stuff that the team needs the pitchers for, we all go and have a normal IW day at the field. So same stuff we're doing with the water bags, whether you're throwing a bullpen or you just have to long toss, everyone's still getting the same work in that they would even if they had a normal IW day on a team day. Okay. So moving from Wisconsin to South Carolina, um, going into your senior year, in a way, you're kind of getting that college experience a year earlier than the majority of people. So how did you go about that uh, transition from living with your parents to now you're kind of living in an apartment, kind of living on your own? It's it's different. Like, there's not always someone there saying or like cooking your meals or like there's times where you get done with a day and you say you have a scrimmage right after you get home from the scrimmage and it's 7, 730. And you're just like, oh, I wish I had a meal cooked. So then you got to figure out what you're going to make. Like someone, like our our apartment doesn't get too dirty, but like at times, like it's nice having someone else clean up for you sometimes. So it's it's just responsibilities that you need to have going into college because it's the same way. So it's it's definitely different, but it's also like something that's valuable for the college experience. Like, you know, that you're going to have to be prepared for all the stuff that you are going to need in college, this will help you out. Yeah. So are you guys all living in the same apartment? Like, like how many, how many roommates do you have? That's all, that goes to the P27 Academy. And then are you guys all like in the same building of the apartment or how? Yeah. How so, so we have an apart, there's kids that are local that'll drive um, if they're close enough, but otherwise the majority of the kids live in the apartment complex. So it's the river bluff apartment complex, but um super nice um apartments we have two buildings basically booked out just for the academy kids so we have two apartments worth of kit or two full like buildings worth of kids um staying in the apartments and each apartment has five kids in it so i have four other roommates um but yeah it's kind of the basics of the apartment so now, so now that you've been there for a while, like for, like I said, for all of fall ball, like who are some of the other guys there at the P27 Academy that you've been able to bond with the most um, just on a day-to-day basis, training, and just going to school with those guys? Yeah, so, I mean, my roommate, he's right here, um, Alfonso Rosario. He's a PGL American, but he's – like you, you get to bond with everyone. Um, everyone's super close because there's only 70 guys at the Academy, so – and most of the time you're just with the upper class kids. So you're kind of just with the same 35, 45 kids every day. So it's, it's not like you're like beef doesn't last long. If there's ever beef, like everyone's always cool with each other. Um, and you, you can always find someone to play catch with or catch your bullpen. Like everyone's got great chemistry here is something that I've noticed. 
So with 70 kids that go to the P27 Academy, like how does that work? So I know you said there's a graduate program. So for high school wise, is there like a varsity JV upperclassmen, underclassmen? Like, do you guys do it by age or do you guys do it by talent level uh, when it comes to just the competition level you guys are facing? So it's both talent and age. So we'll have three teams this year. So it'll be the top team will be the top guys. So we'll have a 24 on our team, Brady Jones. He's going to South Carolina. He's been up to 94 this um, fall. So we'll have guys like that. But then we also have a kid named Parker on our team who went to junior college for a year, took a redshirt year because he got hurt. And now he's here taking his first year of eligibility going here. So we got guys ranging from 16 to 20 on our, um, on our top team. But then the middle teams are like, they call it the premier team, I believe. So that's like, some of the guys that are uncommitted or committed to kind of a lower level school, but still committed. Um, and that's just to get guys playing time. And then they'll have also the top, like the premier team, they'll drop down into the, they'll have the premier team drop down into the second team. And kind of like if you're struggling up at the top team and you need to go down and just get some innings and figure some stuff out, they'll drop you down for a few games, bring you back up when you're ready. And then there's the third team, which is majority like the 25s. Um, I think we have one 26 kid here, but it's just the, that's like the young kids, the underclass team. Okay. So is there, is, is there the possibility for, let's say a 2026, a freshman who's just absolute dominant. Is there a way for him to be on that top team where he's playing along some of those graduate students or are there certain rules that P27 has, or even just the NAA has that kind of limits that? From what I know, if you're good enough to play, you'll play. Like if you if you can compete at that level, they'll bring you up and make, let you compete. Like that shows something in itself. If you're able to go up against kids that are post grads or coming out of college after a year and coming down here, like it it shows something. If you're 24, 25, or 26 that can come out and compete against older guys, especially in this conference, that's really something special. Okay. So now that you've been in Lexington for a little bit, what are some, obviously you're, you're going to school and you're training every day, but what are some cool things that you like to do as you kind of get to know the city just a little bit more? Um, so it's not huge, but it there's Columbia, which is where the university of South Carolina is. So we'll go down there for football games and stuff like that. Um, when they play at home, um, we'll also, there's a driving range close to here. So a bunch of the guys will go to the driving range. People got golf clubs down here and stuff. So there's, there's a golf course really within walking distance from here. Um, so everything, everything is really close though. Like food's always really close. If you want to go get food, like everything's really kind of on this big strip called sunset. Um, but otherwise there's not like people usually kind of just hang out with the people you got here. And if you go somewhere, you, you always go as a group, like, a lot of people like to just hang out together. That's the biggest thing I've noticed. Okay. So transition a little bit to travel ball. So you said you played for the Chi-Town Cream, which I believe I've, I've had a couple players on the podcast before who have played for them. That name sounds really familiar. And then you've also played for the Midland Redskins. So kind of take, let's take, let's go through it. Let's kind of go through how you got connected with that, whatever the first team was, and then how you got connected with that second team as well and kind of went about playing for both of the teams. Yeah. So um, with, um, Chi-Town Cream, it was kind of funny. It was two days after state baseball ended. We lost in the semifinals, um, and I didn't pitch at state. I was supposed to pitch a state championship game. So I'm like, all right, like my summer started the next – like then two. so I had two weeks off basically of where I was no, – I didn't have any tournament scheduled. Like everything was just – there was nothing there um, with any of the other teams I was playing with. So then I – was talking to one of my buddies, he posted on his Snapchat story. He's like, Hey, we need pitchers. Like text me. I'm like, I mean, I'm not doing anything. Like I'll come down and throw. So that was with Chi-Town cream. I started talking to um, the, one of the coaches there, Ward Elliott. And he, he was like, yeah, we'll get you down. So the guy um, on Chi-Town cream, he pays for everything. So he pays for flights. He pays for your hotel. He pays for your food all that's paid for. Um, so I was like, I mean, I'm sure like, I'd love to play for them. Like, yeah, obviously it's free. So, and, and I mean, the number two ranked 
18U national team in the country or 18U team in the nation. So it, it was a legit team. Probably the best team I've ever played with was that team at 18U WWBA. Okay, so how, how would you compare the Chi-Town Cream to the Midland Redskins when it comes just about how, how the organizations ran and just what it's like um, just tournament-wise day-to-day? So Midland's a lot – I it's like a – I would relate it to like a smaller version of Canes on a much smaller scale. So it's like they have Midland Redskins, which is the top team. So they have the 18U team, the 17U team. I think they have a 16U team. But then they have programs kind of all over the country kind of feeding in to the top teams. You don't have to pay for like your um, – like a, there's no like fee to play or you don't got to pay for your jerseys or anything like that. Um, so that kind of like feeds in. So they have like Midland Bandits that I believe is out in Missouri. So – but the original Midland Redskins is from Ohio. But then with Cream, there's only one Chi-Town Cream. It's the 18U team that's all there is like that guy kind of funds it all. Chuck reader is his name. Um, super nice guy knows a lot of stuff, but that they're, they're just kind of two different brands. I would say of baseball, like it's just how they're, how the programs are ran are completely different. So playing for the shy town cream and the Midland Redskins, who are some of those other top guys, the, the division one prospects that you were playing with um, for both of those teams? Um, I played on Midland with a shortstop named Eric Fernandez. He's going to Miami. Um, on Chi-Town Cream, there's a lot of dudes there. Um, we had Oklahoma State commit Max Knight, Cooper Moore going to Kansas. Um, Eli Birch, he was committed to Louisiana Tech, and he's now at Chipola. We had the number one player in Puerto Rico, Ian Daniel Gonzalez. That's my one of my good buddies. Still talk to him to this day, but he's going to Indiana State. Um, but we had some we had some Cam Caminiti, the number two player in the 25 class. He was on our team, David Hogg going to LSU. So like we we really had some guys on that team and we it it showed for. We yeah. we played really well. And this was this was the roster that you guys took to the Jupiter for the WWBA. Am I wrong? Uh they didn't bring a team to Jupiter. Okay, so who, what team were you playing for when you went to Jupiter? That was Midland. I was playing for with Midland. Okay, so can I take us through what that Jupiter tournament was like for you, um, how you performed and how the team performed overall? So I thought I did I did good there. Um, obviously, like, to me, I can always do better. Like, it's always, like, a kind of, like, all right, what can I do differently? What can I do better? Um, but I, I didn't get the innings I was looking for. Was thinking I was going to get three in relief coming after a PG All American and only ended up getting one. So I mean, it is what it is. But a lot of the times, you're, like you're not going to get drafted because of Jupiter. Like you get drafted in the spring. If you have a good year in Jupiter and aren't good in the spring, it doesn't mean much. So the spring is the big focus for me and for everyone else. Is yeah. the spring is the big the big thing yeah so now that jupiter's over the wwba is no longer uh it was a couple of weeks ago um so is this was that your last travel ball tournament that you're going to be a part of or i know you mentioned the 18u team that you're going to be taking uh be playing for are you going to be playing in some more travel ball events or are you done with travel ball now for your career so i i don't know yet the official what all is going to happen it kind of depends on how the spring goes um, where my view is at, where my draft stock is at, what everything's looking like, um, what my college, like what UAB says, what they'd like me to do. So it kind of just all depends on where you get invites from, whether it's that, um, that draft prospect league or whatever, or that draft combine. So it, it just depends on what you're getting invites to, what you're not. Like everything kind of just depends. It's kind of thrown at you all at once. But okay. I think the plan right now is to play a little with Chi Town Cream. And then I've been talking. My old coach from my old team, Sticks Academy up in Wisconsin, um, he's the manager on the Lakeshore Chinooks, a team in the uh, Northwoods Leagues. So that's a really good competitive collegiate league. So that's something that um, I've been talking to him about more and more as of recent. So now that your travel ball, your travel ball career is kind of at an end or come, coming close to an end, uh, yeah. just looking back at it these past couple of years, playing for the Midland Redskins, playing for the Chi-Town Cream with all those big-time Power 5 commits, 
like what are some of your favorite memories that just come to mind when you're thinking about travel ball, thinking about all the tournaments you went to and just, just take us through some of what those memories are. Um, I think the biggest ones are just like the, the fun ones I remember is always just like hanging in the hotels with your buddies. Like everyone's in a hotel room, you get music playing, like you're all just hanging out and talking or like going to top golf is always fun. So it's just things like that. Like you, you think it'd be like, you'd remember like all the playing and stuff you did or the big championships you won or whatever. But to me, it's all like the fun stuff you do with your buddies while you're there. Like you, you obviously play and you remember how you do and whatever, but the things that you really remember are just like the experiences that you have with your friends and stuff like that. So with all the places that travel ball has taken you these past couple of years, what is your favorite location you've actually ever played at? It's gotta be um, West Palm beach um, where Jupiter's hosted. So that's gotta be my favorite. Um, I pitched good there the last two years that I went there last year as underclass kid. Oh, excuse me, but I, that's my favorite place to play. I feel like the mounds are about as good as a dirt mound can get. So yeah, I, I was so I did this little like stick series on the podcast. I'm sure you probably saw yeah. a little bit of it. And yeah. they, when they were there, they were the White Sox scout team and got to be in that Marlins clubhouse. We played them. Oh, you did? Yeah, we played that team. Did you who'd you guys win? I'm trying to remember if we won. No, they walked it off on us. Oh, they did. Do you do you yeah. know who you know who walked it off? I don't know. I no. forget. Yeah, they. I mean, their their team is so st- obviously. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are stacked playing down there in Jupiter, but yeah. it's cool to kind of go through their roster where it's like Arkansas, 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 LSU, yeah. Oklahoma State, all those schools. It's it's pretty cool to see. Um, yeah, they but, had a, they had a crazy roster. Yeah, and from what I heard, they didn't I, like. I mean, it's a bunch of great players, but it was like their first time ever kind of playing together. So it kind of took them a couple games to get used to it. And I think they went maybe one and two in pool and didn't make the actual like bracket play. Um, so they yeah. struggled a little bit, but no, it, I mean, it was a pretty loaded roster. Yeah. They had a loaded roster. They just, I think their biggest thing was like, they didn't have team like energy. Like they, I felt like they weren't comfortable with each other is from what I remember. Yeah. It's like, it they, they don't have that energy that like kids like are on our team where we all played together. Most of us have played together before. So we kind of had energy. I mean, we didn't do great, um, but we still had like energy and stuff. It's just kind of like a different, it's it's like a national team. Like you don't know the kids until you get there kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. For the, for the sticks, for the most part, like they're, when it comes to like their different age. So let's say like the 23, 24, the 25 teams where they're all the same age group and they're playing with each other, like every weekend, like for the most part, uh, they're, they're they gel pretty well together, but just yeah. talking to Kale Fountain, LSU commit, um, couple of their other Arkansas commits like they, they're kind of just saying with them all being different age groups and kind of playing together for the first time that was kind of one thing that they struggled with yeah uh, but no digging into just the, the Chi-Town cream and the Midland Redskins just a little bit more then we'll kind of transition into the recruiting process but what do you think has led to the success of the Redskins and the cream because like you said I mean there's all those different commits that are playing for the Chi-Town cream you guys are flying in he's kind of paying for everything and then the Redskins are pretty successful as well. I, I believe I saw you guys have 50-plus guys who are playing in the majors, like 3,000-plus college commits, I believe is what it was. Um, so what do you think has led to the success of both of those programs? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is, like, I mean, obviously Midland has a great track record of guys that have played with them. Like Ken Griffey Jr. played with Midland. Garrett Cole played with them. Like, you look at some of the names on their MLB roster list, it's it's – crazy the names you'd see on there um so that's what kind of built their brand um they've kind of always done it the same way um for as long as i play with them coaches have always been super nice but they still get on you for not doing the right thing like they they know how to talk to you in a way that you'll understand it and not just take it in and say whatever yeah um and i think the biggest thing with cream is probably like the fact that you can go out there and recruit anyone and pre- pretty much pull them in just because he'll say, okay, I can play for your fights and you're not going to turn that down. Of course. So the fact, that you can, the fact that you can pay for anything. All right. So digging into the recruiting process a little bit, I know we dug into the official visit you went on this past weekend, but let's kind of dig into how you actually ended up there at UAB. So just take us through that recruiting process and kind of how that all started for you. Yeah. So UAB saw me at, um, 
underclass world championships in West Palm last year. Uh, no, that was in Fort Myers last year. So they saw me there. I pitched against East Cobb Astros. I'm sure they weren't there to see me. Um, but I went there and I threw like five shutout innings or four or five one hit innings. So I pitched really well there. Um, one of the best times I've ever pitched. And he reached out to me after that. And he was like, Hey, we want to get you on a visit. I'm like, all right, I'll be at Jupiter next weekend. I actually tweaked my back before like five minutes before I was supposed to walk out onto the mound at West Palm against East Cobb. So my velo is down. So I'm like, all right, I'm telling you, my velo is going to be higher. So just come, just hold your offer and we can reconvene when, when you see my velo go up a little, but, um, so I went down to Jupiter and pitched really well again. And then that's when they were like, all right, we're need to get you on a visit. You want to offer. Um, so then I visited a few other schools before that. Um, and then I went down to UAB as it was considered an official um, just because he took a few visits before that. And it was just like, it's just a lot. Okay. So before UAB, you said you took a couple visits and we're talking to some other schools beforehand. So kind of take us through when the recruiting process actually did start with whatever school did reach out and uh, what, like just what some of those initial conversations like were, were with different teams. Yeah. So it was kind of funny in February of my sophomore year, I was at a PBR showcase and was up to 87 as a 5'11", 165 pounder. And so then that, that was when the just like just started. So Duke actually reached out to me. Um, and I did not have the grades to go to Duke. So it was, it was something that we kind of knew wouldn't work, but they were kind of pushing it. So it's just like, we, we kind of mutually agreed like, Hey, this isn't going to work. Like even with an athletic scholarship, it's quite a bit of money to go to Duke. Um, so we decided that's not something that's in our interest. Um, and then it kind of slowed down over the summer a little bit until the fall. So the summer I did fine, not. Like I did good, but not as good as I would have liked to. My view was a little down. Um, I went to future games, didn't do great. Got one call out of future games, which is pretty unusual for kids that go there. So um, that was North Alabama who ended up offering, and I visited there too. Um, but then Ohio, actually, no, Ohio reached out after future games too. And then they came in and watched me when I played in Ohio at, in the fall. And then they were like, okay, we need to get you on a visit. I visited Ohio too. Um, it was a nice school, but it, the biggest thing for me is I wanted to play down South. Like it, I've had enough of the Wisconsin weather. So it was something that I was like, all right, like I need to get, I need to get in the warm. I'm sure. The warm weather. So going through that process, obviously you mentioned going down south to play just because you're you're tired of that cold Wisconsin weather in the spring. Uh, but what were some other key things that you were looking for uh, just when you were kind of going through that college recruiting process and looking for a school? Yeah, so at that time, I knew I most likely wasn't a power five guy. I was like, all right, like right now in this moment, I'm not a power five guy. I have to look for who wants me because you, you never know with baseball injuries. Um, especially pitchers, it, it happens so fast. So I was like, if I get an offer that's right, there's no reason to wait it out. Like if I feel right with the school, um, that's something that I want to do. Yeah. So I, I was talking to um, University of Central Florida. I was talking to the University of South Florida. Um, I was talking to Valpo and UW-Milwaukee few other schools um I was about to start talking to Wichita State and Washington it just committed to the point where they were it was too late at that point um so I but when I got my UAB or when I got my UAB offer and visited the campus and everything I was like all right like I knew USF and UCF were going to wait on me till the summer um or till this past summer and they wanted to see me a few more times and I knew that's not really something that I was interested in. Like I wanted to get kind of like a weight off your shoulders in a sense to where you know you're kind of not locked in. It's obviously a verbal commitment, but to a point where you can just kind of like breathe a little because you're not constantly making sure you're not hurt. Like obviously you don't want to get hurt, but it's it's really important when you're going through the recruiting process. So when you're actually digging into digging into when you're actually on the mound. Let's kind of go through, let's kind of go through your pitching repertoire a little bit. 
and just maybe those – I know you mentioned earlier the pitches that you throw, but just kind of go through pitch by pitch uh, what they are and maybe uh, just, um, I guess, the characteristics of each pitch. Yeah, so my fastball, I'm low three-quarters guy. Um, it runs about anywhere from 15 to spend up to 22 inches of horizontal run. Um, so that's running more than more than a plate worth of just arm side run. So that's kind of really what um, makes my fastball hard to hit. Um, but my changeup is what I would say is my best pitch. Um, just recently, while we were at uh, Inner Squad, it was 26 inches horizontal and nine inches of vertical drop. So it's it's definitely my go to. I feel like I can command it where wherever whenever I want. That's my go to righty lefty doesn't matter. But then my slider is kind of like my out pitch to lefties. That's my go to. So when I'm if I if I know I have to land a slider when I'm two zero or o or one one or something like that and can't give him a fastball, I can easily go to slider. Like I have a lot of trust in that pitch too. Very sharp. Um, it b- breaks almost. It's a, it's like a frisbee slider is how me and my coach explain or describe it. So yeah. And then are you are you pretty dead set with the pitches that you have right now, or do you I'm, think in the near future you might be adding a new pitch at all? Yeah, I'm working with a curveball right now. Um, the biggest thing is kind of a consistent release to get a curveball to go over the top. Um, with a low three quarter slot. So that's the biggest thing right now. But I've been throwing that more and more. Um, I've had one in the past and it kind of fizzles out. Um, but it's something that I'm definitely working on. Just getting a fourth pitch in there that I can locate would be really, really nice before I go to college. Yeah. So when you do go about adding a new pitch to so this curveball, for example, kind of what what is that thought process to where you're thinking about, OK, maybe maybe adding another pitch might help me a little bit when it comes to just mixing it up a little bit. And then how do you go about adding that new pitch? Because I know some pitchers like to go about it a little bit differently. Like they're like, oh, well, I'll never try to add a new pitch in season or I only want to do it this way. Uh, what is your way of adding a new pitch and kind of what was that thought process when you were like, OK, let's let's go ahead. Let's try to add this curveball. Yeah, so I, I I've wanted to throw one. I wanted to throw one all summer, but it was just so inconsistent. Where it was either a hit batter or a spike on the ground, so like I had no control over it, and I probably threw it maybe three times this summer. Like it was not my go-to by any means. Um, and I really started to kind of just fall away from it and just go fastball, changeup, slider. Um, this fall because I knew that was the stuff that worked for me. Like at the time, it was what can I land against these good hitters at say NGU? Like that's you, you're facing division one transfers. You got to have pitches that, you know, you can land and not be wild. So, but since I've kind of shut or began to deload down, um, I began to work with a curveball for a little bit, just kind of finding a comfortable grip, finding something that really works for me that I can preset my wrist um, to get that kind of over the top action and where it differs from my slider. So, so you mentioned D load there. So what is your D load process when it comes to, is there a certain timeline throughout the year where you kind of want to ramp it down and then ramp it back up or how, how do you go about the D load and the arm care process? Yeah. So in the past I've done a strict shutdown where it's like no um, throwing or overhead movements at all for like a month ish. Um, and then I kind of started to fall away from that. And I've seen more and more studies saying like, don't do that. Deload's better. So I began to, this is my first year of deload where I've, it'll be more just, it'll slowly go up. So I'll be long tossing and slowly drive down to where I'm just going 60 feet every other day with, with plyo balls every day. So it's like, it's something that is kind of just, Based on, I, I still have to talk to my coach here at B27 about it, um, but that's something that I'll definitely be going into is the deload phase in the very soon. So yes. I think it'll start tomorrow. Yeah. So you mentioned that the P27 pitching coach is really good when it comes to, uh, you mentioned the water bags and just different types of training, but what is like some of the biggest things that you've learned from him um, just this fall ball? And as you've gotten to know him these first three, four months at P27. Yeah, so my biggest thing was my um, front leg. 
sorry, my roommate. But my biggest thing was um, my front leg was collapsing as I landed. Um, so I was landing, front leg would collapse a little forward, and I'd lose below. So that was my biggest thing. And then once I got that kind of locked into where now it's like not even like a conscious thought anymore. It's just like natural, natural. Um, is my hinge. So when I go up into my leg lift is kind of leaning forward as you go up and almost like crunching. Um, so like squeezing your core in tight as you go up. And that's kind of helped me find my balance and find this as I go down the mountain, be able to rotate and come out of it quicker. It's kind of just engaging your core early. So P27, are you guys pretty big on when it comes to TrackMan or all those other types of like data-driven uh, technology that um, can be used within the baseball industry? Yeah, so we have our we have a portable um, Rapsodo unit um, that we use a bunch. Whenever pitchers throw pens, the Rapsodo will be out there. Um, and then at our field, we play at um, the Blowfish Stadium. It's a team in like the Savannah Bananas League. Um, so it's a team like that. Um, I don't think it's like cool like the Savannah Bananas. I think it's just actually like a regular team, but they play against them. So when they um, they have a track man up there at the field, so that's about 10 minutes from 10, 15 minutes from here. So they have a track man up at the field. So whenever we scrimmage, we always have track man numbers and stuff like that. So is this kind of your – so now that – I know you said that up there in Wisconsin high school baseball, it wasn't the best when it came to just overall – just the way it was ran. Um, so is this kind of your first time using this type of technology in baseball or were, did you get this opportunity when you played for the Midland Redskins or the Chi-Town Cream? No. So the, I, I would, over the winter, I trained with sticks Academy up in Wisconsin. So it's just another, um, just another club baseball team. The biggest thing um, they, they only had rap soda there. So we only had one rap soda unit and, um, and that was that was all we had. There wasn't a track man there. Like track man's up in Wisconsin are rare. All you have is PBR is the only people that have track men. So that was kind of the biggest thing is the track man is hard to get. And once you, we got down here, it's like drive over to the field if you want to throw a bullpen on track man. So when so. you first started when you first started getting into this data, just this data driven analytics of using rap soda and track man, did you find it challenging at all? Or was it for you, was it pretty easy to transition to this type of da- data and kind of see what everything means and how to how to uh, best put your best foot forward from the data it's given you? I've always been a really big data guy. I always like to see where my numbers are at, how they compare to I the biggest thing for me is how do I feel versus how do I like throw? So if I feel good, but I throw poor, how do those numbers look against when I feel, or like when I don't feel good and I don't throw good or when I don't feel good and I throw good. So I I like to compare numbers and see if I did anything differently, how did those numbers compare to usual? If I'm trying something or working on a new pitch, I like to see how that pitch is working compared to the other ones. So that's always my thing is like, where are my numbers at compared to other times? Yeah. So as you head into your senior spring and you head to a UAB in less than a year from now, I mean, next August, you're going to be heading to a college campus. Um, so what are some of the biggest things you're one to work on um, on the mound or even just as yourself as a total ball player, total human in general as a person? Uh, what would be the, some of the biggest things you're wanting to work on? My biggest thing is my weight. I'm five or I'm. 6'2 and 175 pounds, 170, 175 pounds. Um, so the, the I'm very skinny, like I'm lean. Um, but the thing is, like, if I can put on weight, I know my velo is going to jump. Like, it's it's kind of not guaranteed, but it's something that really correlates. So for me, my biggest thing baseball-wise this winter is definitely putting on weight. Okay. And then when it comes to just, like, you're, you're just, you're, let's say you are a scout. Let's say you're watching your game. Let's say you're a scout for a team that's watching you for the 2023 MLB draft. And you had to write a personal scout. You had to write a scouting report on yourself as a pitcher. What would that scouting report look like? Um, I would say the fastball has um, lots of run um, with life, can be spotted up when needed to. Um, but I would say in a sense, like effectively wild, 
um, to the point where there's times where obviously my control gets a little spotty here and there, but I think it all kind of works out in a sense. Um, I would say change up is elite um, in a sense of movement and numbers can be thrown to either hitter left or right-handed um, can be thrown in any count anywhere can put, can be put where it's wanted to. Um, and then I would say slider is another elite pitch um, based on movements, gets a lot of whiffs um, with left-handers, gets a lot of right-handers um, swinging over the top of it. But I would say the biggest thing for that is can be thrown um, spiked on command or up in the zone on command. Like it's, it's a pitch I have a lot of confidence in. Okay. So I know here early, early, early in the podcast, I think it was probably one of the first things you said that first minute. Um, you said that you are a whippy pitcher. What exactly did you mean by that? So I think it's when, when people say like someone's whippy, I feel like at least to me, how I take it is like, you're very like lean and you're not like a bigger dude. That's going to like draw. It's, it's a very rotational fast arm. Um, so if you look at guys like in the pros, like Tristan McKenzie is considered a very whippy pitcher. He has a really fast arm. But then you look at guys who are a little bit bigger, like um, Gladderall on the Dodgers throws 102, but he's not a whippy guy. Like he's, he's more of a power, like his legs are like tree trunks. So it's kind of just like either way gets it done. You can be, 190 pounds and throw a hundred and you can be 250 and throw a hundred too. So it, it, it's kind of just like two sets of pitchers or two different kinds, but I would say I'm on the whippy side. Okay. Um, just with like, based on arm speed and stuff like that. Okay. So, so far in your career, you've gotten the opportunity, obviously at P27 this, this, uh, this past fall, um, this entire spring, um, you played for the Midland Redskins, a good, great baseball program, the Chi-Town Cream, another great baseball program. If you had to look at your career and kind of just the people that have been in your baseball career, who do you think have been the most influential people so far, uh, just within the game of baseball for you? I would say my dad, um, my dad, for sure. He um, pushes me all the time. He calls me and is like, hey, did you make sure you do this, make sure you do this before I pitch if he's not able to be there. Um, but he's super, super um, helpful for me. Um, even if I think I do bad, he'll always say, like, look at the positives in your outing, look at what you did good, and then look at what you did bad. Like He, he gives great advice to me when I'm not able to – just kind of see what I'm doing in myself. Like he gives, he, he'll give it to me straight up, but he, he knows how to say it and it, he knows how to, how it resonates with me. Like he's not a screamer dad. Like he's super relaxed when it comes to that stuff. Like he just, he understands what I, he obviously knows like if you do bad, you're not trying to do bad. So he, he kind of tries to put, put me in a position where, even if you don't do great or not as well as you like, like take away from the positives. It's always kind of his thing. So do you think your dad um, and just your family in general, do you think they're going to try and make it out quite a bit this spring, uh, make that flight from uh, Wisconsin all the way down to South Carolina? And then when you head to UAB, make that flight from Wisconsin to Alabama? Or like, what do you think their plan is uh, when it comes to coming and watching you play these next couple of years? Yeah. So they, they're going to try to obviously fly out as much as they can. Um, they both work full time. So it's like, you gotta, you gotta know what you're working with, with vacation and stuff like that. But they, they, um, they're going to make it out as much as they can and as much as works for them. But I've also played on my own before where I've like, when I went down with Chi-Town Cream, I was on my own down there, played on my own. So they watch the live streams. Uh, if we're playing on perfect game or even PBR, if we're at Lake point, they'll watch the live streams and stuff. And, text me throughout the game even though I can't look at my phone they'll text me and stuff but uh no but it's they're, they're, they'll make it out as much as they can and I I'm very grateful for that so yeah so transition a little bit to your advisor selection process for your you're a 2023 guy uh the MLB draft's going to be now nine nine months away I believe it's in July so uh yeah. somewhere around there 
Um, so you actually have an advisor going through this process. And that's what I'm trying to be, um, agent slash advisor once I graduate from school. So when I get a player on, I kind of like to ask you guys a couple questions, just get, just get the player side of things. That way I kind of just get some intel, you know, um, just to see what players' vibes are when it comes to that selection process and choosing an advisor. Um, so just a couple questions here for you on that. So when was it that advisors and agents kind of started reaching out to you? So it was right after I committed um, was when mine reached out. Um, it was probably like a month later, less than that. Um, after I committed, he reached out. Um, he actually DM me on Twitter and then started talking to him, started talking to him and then kind of worked into a point where he uh, was like, all right, we can go through on this. And we felt as a family, it was right to do so. Like he's been really good to me. So. So when, yeah. you were going, so when you were going through this process of choosing whether or not you wanted to go with this guy, potentially somebody else, wait a little bit, uh, what were some of the key things that you were looking for um, just within um, the the agent and advisor himself? So the biggest thing was like connections. Like, are they going to be able to get you into events? Are they going to be able to contact pro scouts with, for you? Are they going to be able to contact college scouts if needed for you? Like, it, that's the biggest thing is who are they able to talk to or call and have a connection with instantly? Like that, that's the biggest thing is who do they know? I mean, obviously they, they have to have an eye and whatever and look for players, but they, they I think the biggest thing is connections because on draft day, it can be the reason you don't make more in your signing bonus compared to less because your advisor is a good talker or not. So, so now, so now that you've had your advisor, you've already chosen them. Uh, like how often are you guys talking on a week to week, month to month basis? Um, at first it was like during the summer after every time I pitched, we'd talk, um, kind of just asked me how it went. He'd always ask me when I pitched next. Um, so he could send guys there to watch. Um, but he lives in Florida, so it's kind of, hard for him to get up if I'm playing up in Indiana or if I'm playing in um, like, even if I'm playing in Lake Point, like he kind of stays, he goes right in Fort Lauderdale. So it's in the West Palm area. So that's where for the most part he is watching. All right. So you mentioned, so you mentioned going ahead and playing in Indiana. So have you got the chance to play up in Grand Park? Yeah, I have. I didn't play there this past year, but I've played there before countless times. What, what, what are your overall thoughts on Grand Park? I think it's okay if I'm going to be honest. Um, I think the biggest thing is like the energy there. Like if they had an energy like East Cobb or Lake Point does, like that kind of feel to it, like that feels more like a, it's hard to explain, but like when you're at East Cobb or Lake Point, it's like you kind of like click it up a notch almost. Like you, you feel the energy and the presence of just being there. Like it's a cool experience. And do you, do you think that's because uh, East Cobb, Lake Point, Care, uh, Hoover? Do you think that's because they're just down south more, or do you? Th what do you think the reason is for the energy not being the same at, at Grand Park? I think it's like this. I I feel like at Grand, I haven't been to Grand Park in over a year, so I I don't know how much of this is still accurate. But when I was there, like when you walk into Lake Point, there's the shops, there's the all that stuff. And then you go around and there's the fields and everything. There's a track man on the board. Like I, I find that cool. Um, and even at East Cobb, like the scenery, like with the trees and stuff, I find really nice. Like it's, they're two completely different experiences, but they're all both super nice. Yeah. I was just curious. Cause I'll be, I'll be working for grand park here this summer doing, doing yeah. some interviews, kind of getting some spotlights on some players there in the Midwest. And I was, I was just curious what, what you were thinking. Obviously I hear great things about grand park. Yeah, no, it's, so it's I was, definitely I was great just curious place. what your mind was just being a, a kind of a Midwest guy coming from Wisconsin, uh, kind of playing there a little bit growing up. So. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a great place, but I think once you play at some of these bigger places, like it's hard to compare that to like a, Lake Point or like a I'm sure. West Palm, if that makes sense. I'm sure. Um, so I got a couple couple more questions here for you as we end it off. Um, like I said, I kind of like to dig into the personal side of things to end off each podcast, kind of get the fans to know you a little bit more besides just the game of baseball because you're obviously more than an athlete. Uh, so when it comes to beyond the baseball field, what are some of the passions that you have that you like to do? 
Um, so I'm just trying to think like down here. Um, we do go golfing a lot down here. Um, we'll go to the golf course. Um, I started golfing a couple of years ago. Wasn't ever good at it. Still isn't, but still enjoy it. So we do that. Um, I go hunting every year up North with my family, got a cabin up in Northern Wisconsin, um, on some land. So we go up there and hunt every year, um, just around Thanksgiving time. So when I go home for Thanksgiving, I'll go up there and hunt. Yeah. What are you looking forward to most of, of going back home here in a couple of weeks and going to see your family for about a week for Thanksgiving? Yeah. So I'm actually home for like two weeks. Our breaks are a little longer. It's just, it's like a week and a half or so, but, um, it's just nice to be around your family. Like you, you, you get kind of get caught up and like, you're always doing stuff down here that you don't really realize like, okay, I'm like, once you see your family again, or you call, like my mom calls me every night. Um, but it's like, it's just nice to talk to them in person instead of over the phone again. And like, give them a hug. Like that's the biggest thing. And my three younger brothers like mess around with them and stuff. Like that's, it's always fun. Yeah, I'm sure. So have you seen your hobbies change a little bit as you've moved down to South Carolina compared to when you were in Wisconsin? Obviously you mentioned hunting, but is there some other like things that have changed since you've moved down South? Um, not, not entirely. Like I try to keep, just be me in a sense. Like I, I don't try to change too much, but like I've definitely golfed more than I did up in Wisconsin. I mean, you only have a few prime golf months up in Wisconsin. They're usually during summer baseball. So, but down here, like you, you kind of just spend time with your roommates as if I would with my brothers. So, yeah. So when you're hunting up there, up North, North of Wisconsin, obviously Wisconsin's so close to Canada. I actually interviewed someone from Wisconsin before and he had like a huge Canadian accent. Like I was like, there's no way this guy's not from Canada. But no, when you're up there, extremely up north of the United States, up there at North Wisconsin, like what exactly are you hunting? Like, is there moose or what? Like, what are the type of animals that are up there up in North Wisconsin? Yeah, so it's white-tailed deer is what we hunt. Um, but my dad's, he has, he shot two deer, two bears. Excuse me. Um, he what else? He's gone turkey hunting. He's gone pheasant hunting. He's my dad's hunted a lot of stuff. It's pretty cool. But I've only hunted deer. Okay. So you are from w- Waukesha, Wisconsin, I believe is what I read. Yeah. Waukesha. Waukesha. Okay. Waukesha. All right. <laughs> I'm, from, I'm from Indiana. Like I don't know. Everyone mispronounces like, it. I've, I've, like, I've seen that name before. I believe there's yeah. been a couple other major league players to come from that. So a couple Yeah. Jared Kelnick was the most recent one. Okay. So with you guys, with you being from the same hometown of Jared Kelnick, um, have you gotten the chance to ever meet him personally, or do you kind of look up to him in a way? Yeah, so I'm good buddies with his younger brother, JT. Um, I went to elementary school with him, went to middle school with him. We were at Jared's grad party. Um, and we would have been at his draft party if I didn't have a tournament. Um, so we know the Kelnicks really well. I played for his dad when I was like eight. So we we know them really well. But like there's other big – Wisconsin's definitely a growing baseball state too with like Gavin Lux is from Wisconsin. Um even in the 23 class, you have Dylan Quested, who's on draft boards. You have Cal Fisher, who's on draft boards. Like, we got guys that are from Wisconsin that are really kind of making a name for the state. Yeah. So, digging into, like, your just relationship with Jared, JT, and their family, have you gotten the chance to kind of pick the brain of Jared a little bit now that he's, uh, I mean, pretty far into his baseball career play, playing pro ball? Yeah, I haven't gotten to see Jared in a little bit. Um, I I play against JT every once in a while. I played up against him at my old high school in the regional finals. I pitched that game, but um, I I've I've talked to him, but not a ton. We he played for a different organization than I did. Once we kind of split off, um, so but it was always we're always we always stay in contact, and I always ask him how he's doing and how his brother's doing, but it's never like. I've never been able to talk to Jared for like an hour and just pick his brains. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but no, I, I got three last questions here before we end it off. Um, so well, recently I've been kind of like digging deeper into just the personal side of things besides just your basic questions of like passions and favorite yeah. things to do. Um, so I've been, I added these two questions and I've kind of been doing it with the past five, six guys I've interviewed. Um, so the first one is what is it that kind of motivates you every day? Like just what is it that makes you get out of bed, kind of go to, go to class, go work out and just kind of win the day. 
um, in, in a way. Um, what what is it that motivates you? For me, it's like making my family proud. Like they've put in a lot of effort and money and time, um, taking vacations and stuff, and like they they've they've really put a lot into me for me being able to play travel baseball since I was eight up until now, 17. So they've, they've really put a lot into me. Um, and I, I appreciate it a ton. So I, my biggest thing is I want to make them proud and be able to repay them in a sense. Um, cause they were always there supporting me with whatever it was. Yeah. So with you 17 years old right now, like you just said, Let's say what perfect picture 20 years from now, you're 37 years old. Everything goes right in your life. Everything, everything you ever dreamed of. What is that perfect picture of your life? What does that look like? Hall of fame. I mean, that's, that's well, yeah, okay. So you can't be, you can't be hall of fame at 37. I mean, you're probably, you're probably oh, yeah. playing, but yeah, if you're, if you're still playing, you're still playing and you're like Verlander good. Um, but I mean, everyone's path is different. Um, and that's what I've kind of, grown to known or grown to know like everyone's path is different so whether I'm out of the game by then or coaching or like who knows what it'll be but I'm willing to accept whatever whatever's thrown at me like it's everyone's path is completely different and like mine this isn't a normal high school like normal high school kids don't live on their own at 17 it's kind of just a different experience so yeah all right, down to that last question. So this is one question I've been asking guys ever since I started interviewing top prospects across the country, interviewing some college guys as well. Um, so when you head to UAB here next fall, or even when you just gra- when you actually hit graduation day, you're going to get the opportunity to where you can capitalize off of your name, image, and likeness. Um, a thing that the NCAA uh, passed here in July 2021. Um, so when that when you do get that opportunity to endorse, to collaborate with a brand what would be that dream brand that you would love to work with one day besides Nike or Adidas or Rawlings or something like that? Yeah. What would be that dream brand? Oh man. Um, that's a tough question. I'm trying to think of like what I wear and stuff now. Um, it'd probably be, I mean, obviously Nike would be cool. Like those big brands would be cool, but like Arnold, I love Arnold Palmer. Um, so I, that'd be, I'd go with that. But like the, like the, like the T yeah. Like the half and half Arnold Palmer is that's some good stuff right there. All right. Well, that, that, that's a first on the podcast. I always like it when I always like it when someone uh, has a first where it's kind of like something, you you know, most people don't think of. I had uh, somebody the other day, uh, well, I get, I get a lot of Lululemon. Like it's weird. Like I didn't Uh realize. In Indiana, like I didn't realize Lululemon was like a, I thought it was always a girl brand until, um, yeah, no, they have shorts and stuff for men. Yeah, I didn't realize that until like half the Arkansas sticks said Lululemon. It was crazy. Uh, yeah. But someone said the other day it was uh, maybe Black Rifle Coffee or it was like it was like a cool it was like a cool brand that no one's yeah. like ever really said. And I always enjoy like when people say that because it, it kind of gives me something like to look for. But no, yeah, uh, but no, man, that's that's all the questions I got for yeah. you. That sounds good. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Appreciate yeah, you reaching out. Yeah, of course. I really appreciate you reaching out. I mean, I, th- I believe it was like July when you reached yeah. out. The schedule's just been so, uh, oh, so yeah. busy. And then the Arkansas Stick series came out. Um, yeah. that, that's an eight-week series. So, uh, that I mean, that pushed it back even further. Yeah. Um, no, just really appreciate it. Appreciate you reaching out um, and kind of just getting in contact with me. Um, yeah, I'll sure. definitely be following your career here these next couple of years when you head to UAB. When you go play play pro ball, um, I just want to wish you the best of luck and during that time period as well. Um, so just uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.